Welcome, Bird Gang. On today's show, Paul Calvisi joins me. Can't think of a better person to break down Sunday's matchup against, as Paul likes to call them, the last place Seahawks. They aren't playing like a last place team, not on offense, that's for sure. The Seahawks' defense, well, that's a different story. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 603, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Hit in the backfield and down he goes for a loss. J.J. Watt nailed him. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, at the 5, he's in again! Some more Murray Magic! Wow! Here's Craig Grealoux. So can we, actually just you, Paul, still call this week's opponent the last place Seahawks? Because technically you're right, right, but at 2-3 and they have the exact same record as the Cardinals. Yeah, I'd love to, um, but I I do fear a little bit disrespecting the Seahawks team, especially based on what they're doing on offense right now and Geno Smith, as if Geno Smith needs any further motivation because this dude is balling right now. So maybe um, I'll take one for the team and I'll suppress my uh, big desire to call them, continue to call them the last place Seahawks, even though that's what they earned a year ago, especially after they lost to the Cardinals at home against Colt McCoy and all the 12s were booing the Seahawks. That was probably the low point of their season a year ago. All right. Couple of notes on this matchup here in week six at Lumen Field. Both teams two and three. And as we speak here on this Friday, kickoff at 105. So pregame coverage begins at 8:30 on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. However, as Paul Calvisi and the rest of the Arizona Cardinals traveling party are in the air on Saturday, the Mariners and Houston Astros are playing game three. If the Astros win, they sweep. Kickoff remains at 105. If the Mariners win, force a game four, then kickoff gets moved to 2.30 and Paul can party a little bit later, sleep in, oh, and not have to worry yeah. about you know everything else that goes yeah. along with what you do in Seattle. Another 90 minutes to uh, partake in all the free coffee that's up in the press box, which nobody needs, especially Ron Wolfley. He'll be highly caffeinated, that is for sure. So, well, look, uh, we'll see what happens. It's already a scene down there in that area for every time on game day, so now times two with the Mariners' playoff game. Yeah, I, you know what? Make way for the Cardinals team buses, because that's <laughs> That's about the only way you're getting into that stadium at that point is with a police escort. Lumenfield, T-Mobile Park, literally across the street from one another. So things could be very, very busy on Sunday. But you brought up Geno Smith. So some uh, some trivia for you, Paul, here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Sunday will mark almost 4,000 days, officially 3,942 days, since the Arizona Cardinals last faced a Seattle starting quarterback not named Russell Wilson. And bonus points for you, can you name said quarterback (laughs) and remember the date of what the last time the Cardinals faced a non-starting quarterback by the name of Russell Wilson. Okay, so they signed the big free agent from Green Bay, and they paid him big money, and they never played him. And I'm trying to remember what his name was, but it's a moot point because he never did play because Russell supplanted him. As Matt a th- Flynn. Correct. There you there go, Matt okay. Flynn. Nice. Okay. That is not the answer, by the okay. way. Um, I'll throw out there, uh, let's see, former Seahawks quarterbacks for 500, <laughs> Tavares Jackson. Bingo! Oh, how about that? Wow. Regular That's- season finale of the 2011 
season. It was January 1st, 2012. So you rang in the new year facing Tavares Jackson and the Seattle Seahawks. Don't tell my wife I can't remember our wedding anniversary, <laughs> but I remember Tavares Jackson. That's that's embarrassing. Yeah, that, that deserves that's a, as they say, a double ding yeah. here wow. on Cardinals oh, cover boy. two. So, so almost 4,000 days now in Geno Smith. It's it's literally amazing. And I, I'll be honest, I have not watched every single snap of Geno Smith, but you take a look at the numbers of what he has been able to do. Leading the league let me say that again. Leading the league in completion percentage, better than 75%. He has the league's best passer rating at 113.1. And as Vance Joseph said earlier this week, when you watch it, you can't say it's not real. It's real. Hey, J.J. Watt told us at his locker, said it's not like he's checked down Charlie. He is launching the ball. I mean, this guy is a downfield assault machine. He is absolutely letting it rip. And you talk to some of the Cardinals players as to what exactly is going on here. And they'll tell you, well, look, if you're Geno Smith, what's your mindset? Why not? Go out there and ball. What do you have to lose? You were a placeholder. Most people figured they trade away Russell Wilson. And man, what an absolute grand theft quarterback trade does that look like in favor of Seattle right now? You got two first round picks, two second round picks. You got Noah Fant. You got your backup quarterback in Drew Locke. And you got rid of $40 million plus per year and Russell Wilson, the new contract he wanted and received from Denver. And it's been addition by subtraction, putting Geno Smith in there, who I think scheduled with incentives is going to make around $4 million. So it's an absolute grand slam for John Schneider and Pete Carroll, and we don't say that easily. But you got to give him props on this one. And as for Geno Smith, he goes out there, he's like, well, if I'm just a placeholder, and or you think you're going to play me because you want to tank, not tank. Well, I got your tank right here. I'm just going to start unleashing this ball to two Pro Bowl caliber receivers. I mean, look at last week. Where is it? Against the New Orleans Saints, you had Geno Smith with a 50-yard touchdown to DK Metcalf and a 35- and 40-yard touchdown to Tyler Lockett. Think about that, Gree. Think about the fact that Cardinals have one play that has gone 30 yards all year. And that was Kyler Murray breaking the pocket just before halftime against the Rams and on the run throwing what I thought, what I consider his best pass of the year. In between layers of coverage, downfield hitting Greg Dortch on the money, who toe taps the sideline, takes a massive submarine hit to his lower body, gets up somehow, plays the rest of that game. But look, the the Seahawks and Geno Smith have been all about the explosives. And the Cardinals have been dead last in the league in that category. Well, just look at what the Seahawks did Sunday against the Saints, losing 39-32, but you mentioned three touchdown passes of better than 35 yards. They also had a touchdown run of 69 yards by Kenneth Walker. More on him in a moment. But those are four scoring plays of better than 35 yards. This season, the longest scoring play for the Cardinals in 2022 25 yards and that was Murray to Hollywood Brown just last week for that 25 yard touchdown catch and run and we all know about the Cardinals slow starts as well so look uh, there's plenty to look at over the block wall into your neighbor's backyard as we like to say when you have an NFC West game how can you not look at Seattle's offense right now and and look at it with envy everything they're able to do and it's not for a lack of putting the ball in the air Kyler Murray leads the NFL in pass attempts leads the NFL in completions. Here's the problem. They're 31st in yards per attempt at 5.8. And Seattle 
Here's where the rub is. Seattle's defense has given up the highest per completion at nearly nine yards per. So, as they like to say in the broadcast business, the proverbial, something's got to give. Either this Seahawks defense, which is dead last against a Cardinals offense that has been struggling for chunk plays and big yardage, and then Geno Smith, not to get too far off topic here, Geno Smith and his ability to go big play where the Cardinals defense has been top three in the NFL against the big play, correct? They have done a great job the last several weeks as far as taking away the opponent's best offensive weapon. And you can look at the Raiders. They had a number of different offensive weapons. The Rams, the same thing. Eagles as well. You look at this Seahawks team and the best offensive weapon, and you can make an argument for a Tyler Lockett, a DK Metcalf. Is it potentially Kenneth Walker? Just because it's now he is now RB1 with Rashad Penny breaking his ankle and being done for the season. But my guess is, because last week it was A.J. Brown, my guess it's going to be either Lockett or Metcalf that Vance Joseph says, you're not beating us today. And you know what? History would say it should be Lockett. Because if you look at recent games between the Cardinals, in fact, the last six games, and looking at it right now, DK Metcalf over the last six games against the Cardinals, 15 catches for a buck 64 and a touchdown. Tyler Lockett in the last six games, 38 catches, 543 yards receiving, and six touchdowns. So Lockett has been much more of a Cardinals killer than DK Metcalf ever has. Then again, getting back to what we were talking about and the Cardinals' defense. There's been good, there's been bad, there's been mostly good ever since the first six quarters of this season, which was bad. The game against the Chiefs to start and then the first half against the Raiders, the Cardinals have dialed it in. And they've only allowed two deep passes, 20-plus air yards, only two allowed all year by a Cardinals defense, and that is fewest in the NFL. So once again, something's got to give when you look at the scouting reports and what each team comes in having accomplished so far this year. I like how Byron Murphy has played, and in Coach Joseph's own words, playing at a high level. He did a great job of the last several weeks. It was Marco Wilson, though, on A.J. Brown initially, and then with some help from his friends, able to shut down Brown the rest of the way last week when the Cardinals played the Eagles, but you have Byron Murphy and Marco Wilson. Does one or do you do a combination against Lockett, DK Metcalf? Don't forget about Will Disley. Now Isaiah Simmons, what's his role this week? He has played more each of the past two weeks to where maybe, all right, whatever happened after week one, those issues, maybe that quote-unquote punishment, if you will, for not playing well week one against the Chiefs, he has overcome that and now become parts, a larger part of this defense. And for Isaiah Simmons, it was never the execution in terms of his athletic ability. It was just, was he in the right spot at the right time? Was he understanding the finer points, the small things that will get you beat? For example, Travis Kelsey was a problem. That's the one game this year where the Cardinals identified the other team's major weapon and failed at stopping, was Travis Kelsey. And if you read between the lines a lot of what was said, Vance Joseph and others, it was the small things. It was the leverage on the wrong side of Travis Kelsey, trying to send him to areas where you had help over the top. And Kelsey is such a master at reading that. And Mahomes knows when his tight end is going to get free and be able to find space. And it absolutely killed the Cardinals. Just killed him in, in that game. So they've dialed that down. Part of that was the fact that the next two games, Isaiah Simmons got 15 and 16 snaps. He had to earn it back. It was the practice habits. It was that attention to detail. You listen to guys in that locker room, and they'll tell you that has been a big difference, and that's all the great quarterbacks in this NFL need to beat you, to carve you up, the Mahomes. Even Jalen Hurts. Look at the adjustment they made in A.J. Brown. 
He had three catches right off the bat in that first possession, and he got one target the rest of the game. What happened there? Well, what happened was the Cardinals were giving him too much cushion. And Jalen Hurts got up to the line of scrimmage and goes, oh, A.J. Brown, cushion? A.J. Brown and Debo Samuel in space? I'll take those odds, right? Those are the two best in the league at yards after catch because they're so tough to tackle. And Jalen Hurts did a great job putting that ball where only A.J. Brown could catch it. So what did the Cardinals do? They adjusted when they came to the sideline and they started pressing him. They started getting up in space a lot more. Stop giving him all that room to work in A.J. Brown. And you look at the results. So can you do that with a D.K. Metcalf who's even more physical, even bigger? A Tyler Lockett who's so slippery, such a great route runner, has that elite burst and explosion to get behind a secondary you do have Antonio Hamilton yep. back this week you know what what do you get 15 snaps or so last 15 week? 16 and he even admitted afterwards he was he was he was feeling it yeah. but in a, but a game under his belt you get the rust off I, I would expect to see more of that three corner look yeah. and he's got good size for a corner so okay uh, you know and then of course you got the best pair of safeties in the league, two guys who get really fired up in Seattle. I mean, you want to see Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson at their best take two halves against the Seahawks in Seattle and call the football doctor on a Monday morning because those guys come ready to ball. Byron Murphy as well. Any one of those players in that locker room that have Washington ties, (laughs) Washington, you know, the University of Washington, Washington State, they always like, and even even listening to Buda Baker talk when you bring up Seattle, as we did earlier this week, the the, the, the eyes go big. He starts to smile because everyone likes to play. And for Buda Baker, you play in your hometown. So I do think this matchup for the Cardinals defense, much different than a week ago because the difference, and it's a big difference, between a Jalen Hurts and a Geno Smith, you don't have to worry about Smith escaping the pocket, scrambling, maybe more QB sneaks, but he is not elusive just turned 32 years old and I don't think the Cardinals have to worry about his scrambling ability like they did and got burned a couple of times with Jalen Hurts they did and and look talking to some of the guys I mean Gino will tuck it and run it but to your point he doesn't have the same athleticism as as Jalen Hurts who almost glides you know that's the way guys Jalen Hurts glides whereas Kyler Murray when he runs more quick twitch and, and explosive that way Gino has pulled it and run it. I'm not going to say he's gone quarterback power like a like a Cam Newton in his heyday, but if he sees an opportunity and the DBs have their backs to the line of scrimmage, he, he will take off. But he is a pocket-first quarterback right now. He has been making great decisions, nine touchdowns, only two picks. Once again, his accuracy has been remarkable. All you have to do is watch a montage of some of his big plays this year. He's throwing into traffic. He's throwing on the money. He doesn't hesitate to launch. He's putting it right over the shoulder of his talented receivers. And so, but look, to your point about, you know, guys going to Seattle and getting energized, um, that's what Eno Smith told us in the Big Red Rage this week. A big theme, especially for the offense, has been, and I quote, create our own energy. They're the only team in the NFL, everybody now, without a point in the first quarter. They've been outscored 38-0 in the first quarter. And it hasn't just been the offense. Once again, the Eagles got off to a 14-0 lead there in Week 5. So it's both sides of the ball. Thing is, when you go into Seattle, 
It's just, it's self-contained. It's it's you against the world. The 12s are unloading on you right behind your bench. It's so noisy. It always guarantees the Cardinals at least will play with energy and physicality. And I think it's one of the big reasons why they have won five of the last seven, six of the last nine in Seattle. One more quick note on the Seahawks and their offense. I brought up Kenneth Walker, their second round pick out of Michigan State. And he looked pretty good last week. 88 yards, his first career touchdown. So you're going to see a lot of a new running back because of the injury to Penny. And that's going to be a little bit of a different wrinkle. But to me, it's, okay, make sure Geno Smith, and I can't believe I'm saying this, Paul, make sure Geno Smith does not beat you because (laughs) going into this season, everyone was, all right, yeah, Seahawks, last place. You got Geno Smith as your quarterback. You're not going to win a lot of games. And, yeah, they're just two and three, but it's how he's performed at the expense of what the defense has done, which we can get into. But Geno Smith has looked outstanding so far this season it's how he's played it's how they've won games that defies the Pete Carroll formula he wants to play great defense and have a run game (laughs) they definitely haven't played great defense they're among the worst in the NFL if not dead last in virtually every category that matters as for offense yeah they've had a running game but it's with Rashad Penny who's now done for the season he fractured his lower leg he's having he had season-ending surgery He was having a great, I mean, he had a great game against the Cardinals in the season finale week 18 a year ago with 190 rushing yards. In fact, his last five games, he had a buck 35 plus in every single game, Rashad Penny. So he had really been rolling. Now, as for Kenneth Walker, there he was, 41st pick overall, high round two pick. You realize last year at Michigan State, he led all D1 running backs in missed tackles and yards after contact. Think about that. That's a great combination. You're making guys miss in the open field, but you're also breaking tackles and getting yards after contact. So guys will tell you he's a complete back. What's his conditioning like if they're giving him 20-plus touches? We'll see. He had the big 69-yard touchdown run. Not much in his other seven carries against the Saints. They did a pretty good job containing him other than that one big play. But, uh, yeah, you know, ideally – you know, the, the Seahawks would come out with much better defense and much more of a commitment to the run game, which is something you haven't seen out of Seattle. One of the other big reasons has been so confounding. It does go beyond just Geno Smith. Seahawks also have DJ Dallas, and they claim Tony Jones off waivers from the Saints. Good news for the Cardinals is Rashard Lawrence is expected to give this Cardinals defense a boost after missing the past couple of games with a hand injury. So he's always been very good as far as stopping the run, being that middle guy along that defensive line. All right, so that's kind of what the Seahawks offense looks like in defense. This should be, at least on paper, we know the game is not played on paper, but this should be a get-right game for the Arizona Cardinals based off what the Seahawks' defense has not been able to do through the first five weeks, and that is stop anyone from getting into the end zone, from gaining yards, whether it's throwing yards or rushing yards. This is horrible defense from Pete Carroll's squad. It is. And, you know, I don't know where you want to start. I'll start with the rush defense because that's seemingly where every player in the locker room starts. We got to stop the run, and they're doing anything but. They're allowing 170 yards per game on the ground. I mean, New Orleans just ran it for 235 yards. They didn't even have Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry, so there was no threat of having to defend two of the better receivers in the NFL. As Pete Carroll said after the game about the Saints, quote, they ran it down our throat, and that was unacceptable. And you know who they ran it with quite a bit was Taysom Hill. Uh, you know, 
he had three touchdown runs in the game. He had a 60-yard touchdown run. Now, he was almost chased down from behind by Tariq Woolen, who's the 4-2-6 guy, the round five cornerback they took uh, to Texas San Antonio, who looks like an absolute steal for the Seahawks. He has a pick in each of his last three games. He's an absolute burner, elite speed. In fact, I asked Eno Benjamin about uh, Tariq Woolen on, on the Big Red Rage. I said, oh, if you get into the open field and you bust one, I, I, you know, it's sort of like Buda Baker looking for DK Metcalf, and 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 Eno's response was, "That's all right, I got a stiff arm for him." So we'll see. The guy's six foot four; he's got reach on Eno. We'll see how that goes. But if Taysom Hill can run like that, what do you think a Kyler Murray could accomplish against the Seahawks defense? I find that really intriguing. Now, Kyler Murray in this last game, what ran it a dozen times, and up until that point. And it was a Carolina. He had run it a dozen Correct. times. And going into Carolina, he had had a dozen carries. Now they dialed back the rushing this last week against the Eagles until the very end of the game when they truly needed it. So how did they start this game? How did they read what Taysom Hill did as a dual-threat quarterback against the Seahawks? And does that make its way into Cliff Kingsbury's play calling? Well, how about changing things up? We have not seen Kyler Murray use his legs early in games. It's been the second half when he's decided to kind of call his own number or at least utilize that element of his skill set do we see Kyler Murray a little bit more apt to run either his own decision or it's called from the sideline remember Eno Benjamin is RB1 Keontae Ingram likely to be active for the first time in his early career so maybe by default you need Kyler Murray again it's not the number of rushing yards it's usually the number of rushing attempts just to make it parts of the offense to keep that defense on its toes to where they're expecting everything and not you become a little bit too one-dimensional. Yeah, Alvin Kamara, now look, he's he's an all-pro. We get it. He had 103 yards rushing and 91 yards receiving out of the backfield for the Saints. Does Eno Benjamin have that ability to catch the ball? Sure. Absolutely. Keontae Ingram did a really good job in August for folks who are actually working 9-5 to five and didn't get a chance to see into the Cardinals' practices. Take it from us. We saw every practice. Keontae Ingram can catch the ball. He can make people miss in the open field. He can also lower the shoulder, and he's a bigger, heavier back. Once upon a time, he was 240 pounds at Texas. They had a more of a fullback, blocking back type role. Now he's closer to 225-ish, somewhere between 225 and 230 if you talk to Keontae Ingram. But, uh, you know, and he definitely has the power to be able to run over someone. And you have a Seahawks defense that might be missing their big, menacing defensive tackle, Al Woods. Been dealing with a knee injury all week. So they could be further compromised. The guy to look out for in Seattle's defense is Jordan Brooks, the linebacker. And it's one of the reasons they didn't bring back Bobby Wagner. And Jordan Brooks was learning under Bobby Wagner, in fact, to the point where Eno Benjamin says, you watch the way he plays linebacker? He called it a slow read. He sort of takes his time to read the play and then bursts and reacts. He said, that's a Bobby Wagner trait. That's because Eno studies these linebackers as to how to set them up with his eyes. And he hangs out with the O-line. They try and figure these guys out. Um, so Jordan Brooks at 20 tackles, I think, in Week 18 against the Cardinals. Correct. 20 tackles. Career high. <laughs> well, guess what? He played for Cliff Kingsbury at Texas Tech. So when he goes against the Cardinals, he gets fired up looking at his former college coach on the other sideline. So keep an eye out for number 56, Jordan Brooks. To me, he's the guy you got to worry about, worry about on that Seahawks defense. Brooks, 11 tackles last week. Cody Barton, 12 tackles last week. Another linebacker to keep an eye on. And we talk about being able to run against this Seahawks defense. You should also be able to throw against this Seahawks defense because not only are the numbers just such as far as being dead last and passing yards allowed per play 
26th overall, but you look and you brought up Tariq Woolen. Kobe Bryant is a rookie in that secondary. Ryan Neal last week made his first start of the season, played well, but remember, you go back to week one, Jamal Adams no longer available for that secondary, suffering a season-ending injury, so perhaps that passing game, which we've talked about a lot, just hasn't quite gotten on track as far as the deep shots. Is it Kingsbury? All right, do we try to run, or do we come out of the gates and just try to air it out against a suspect secondary? And if he does air it out, I mean, there's ample reason to do so. That Seattle defense is allowing the highest yards per pass attempt in the NFL. Uh, they're allowing the second highest passer rating, 106.6. Think about it because Kyler Murray right now has the lowest passer rating of his career at 84.3. So use the term get right game, not just for the Cardinals offense, ideally for the Cardinals, for their quarterback. Kyler Murray has missed some throws. He's missed receivers downfield. And so if you're going to get right, it would be this game, this team. Don't forget a year ago, Cardinals went up there. They had a balanced offense with Colt McCoy as their quarterback. I think he went 35 of 44, if I remember right. I took a look at it earlier this week. What I do remember is the Cardinals ran 79 plays. They dominated the football. They dominated the clock. They had more than 40 minutes time of possession, more than double Seattle in that game. They absolutely silenced the 12s. It was it was eerie. It was so silent because the Cardinals just sat on the ball, had long drives. Until then, the 12s unloaded and started booing the home team. Kyler mentioned this past week, Paul, about playing at Lumen Field. He really hasn't had that full experience. First time, he didn't finish the game. He got hurt. Yeah. Brett Hundley had to come in yes, and finish right. off that game. Second time around. That was the Brett Hundley game where he took a bow, by the way. <laughs> he, right. he actually led a touchdown drive, and then he had a couple of big runs, actually pulled it and run it and ran it and then they cashed it in he turned to the sideline took a bow and everyone just erupted it was hilarious second time for Kyler Murray in Seattle well COVID there were no fans in the stands and then last year you referenced it Kyler Murray was hurt it was Colt McCoy so Kyler Murray hasn't really had that full 12s experience and maybe this is the week for him to kind of eliminate these stats 31st in yards per pass attempt 30th in average pass length 31st in average pass length completion and the overall passing game 5.4 yards per play this those numbers are just startling when it comes to Kyler Murray in year four and Cliff Kingsbury in year four. That that one, it's it's not sustainable. It's going to change. Just small sample size. If you want to think five games, it's a small sample size. It's just alarming when you talk about the offense not being able to get on track, and it's because of the passing yeah. game. After the Eagles game, Cliff Kingsbury used the word anemic, at least to describe the Cardinals' offense in that first half. So. It's a problem. It really is. And DeAndre Hopkins ain't walking through that door until next week, until Thursday night against the Saints. So you have one more game to go. Is it realistic, though? Is it realistic to think he's going to solve all your problems? Well, it'll go a long way. It'll dictate a lot of coverage. We know Kyler, when he has DeAndre Hopkins out there and they're double-teaming him or putting safety over top, it tends to trickle down to other receivers. And he seems to go through his reads a lot better when you have a D-hop on the field. Now, the Cardinals find a little bit of a formula in the second half against Philadelphia. They hit Rondell Moore downfield. Actually got a chunk throw to to Rondell Moore in that second half. Uh, More of that, please. Uh, You know, there's no doubt the bubble screens irk 
the Cardinals fan base in the Red Sea, the ire of the Red Sea. I mean, I even threw out a on Twitter at Paul Calvisi, threw out a quick little clip of Laquan Treadwell, the newest Cardinals receiver, former first-round pick out of Ole Miss, and there he was. It was just a drill, people. They were just flipping him the ball so he can run and have the DBs try and size him up in a no-contact tackling drill. And everyone's like, oh, look at that. It's a horizontal bubble screen. Of course it is. Well, yeah. We get it. We get it with the whole Rondale Moore thing. He gets it. He wants the ball downfield. Maybe Think about it, though, on third and 16, he did get a bubble screen yes. and go 17 yards, so that did hit. Whatever the Eagles were doing with their bubble screens, by the way, it worked. Yeah, I don't know if they're getting more people out blocking in front of the receiver, but they were able to find lanes that Cardinals receivers have not been able to do for the most part this year when it comes to the horizontal game. So everyone steals from everyone. I would look at some of that Eagles game film. By the way, you need to let everyone know, Paul, exactly the number that Treadwell is wearing. And if we are now adopting a brand new marketing slogan from Calvisi Consulting because Laquan Treadwell wears... 17. Moment of silence for I, Andy, who's now a member of the Ravens practice squad, at least uh, to my knowledge, at last check. So didn't work. Now he's a totally different body type. (laughs) He's 6'2", 215, so maybe he's a little better in space or at least out on the perimeter. I'm not sure, but we'll see if he factors in. I mean, there's no way he's going to play, right? Uh, as of we record, uh, we're recording this, I don't know. You have to be elevated, yep. and that would come on Saturday, so yep. pay attention to those roster moves. And one last note here when we talk about the Cardinals as far as a get-right game with the offense, whether it's rushing or throwing the ball. A nod to the offensive line last week against the Eagles. One sack allowed, two quarterback hits, and that was without Rodney Hudson. Now, the good news, he was on the practice field on Friday dealing with a knee injury. I certainly would like to see Rodney Hudson on the field, but Sean Harlow might have had his best game of his career wearing an Arizona Cardinals uniform because there was very, very little pressure, especially up the middle, and we know what interior pressure does to Kyler Murray. But that entire offensive line, I thought, played very well against a stout Eagles front. I totally agree. If Rodney Hudson isn't close to full health, if Rodney Hudson is not right, don't play him. Sean Harlow... A, played well enough, he deserves another start, and B, Rodney Hudson is valuable enough, get him right. Don't risk it, especially against the worst run defense and the first defensive front in in the NFL. Uh, If Sean Harlow is able to do that against the Fletcher Coxes of the world and that loaded Philadelphia defensive line, then okay. you know. And look, here's the other thing about that Cardinals offensive line you got to go with the center who can execute the silent count because that's always a factor. That's almost the entirety of the game. Now, the good news, bad news is you got experience last week <laughs> at home with all the Eagles fans, which is one reason, my own working theory, why I think Justin Pugh was a little salty after the game a little bit was because he's the guy who has to look back at Kyler Murray and then tap the hip of the center, and that's sort of their cadence and their how they coordinate the silent count. I think he was a little irked he had to do that at home to that sort of frequency, but at least you got reps at it as an offensive line, and I agree with you. They are underrated. We've seen some teams with some bad offensive lines this year. It hasn't been the Cardinals. 
I mean, even the Rams right now, Joe Noteboom is getting absolutely torched as their left tackle replacing Andrew Whitworth. They have a problem with the Rams right now, and it's called their offensive line. And guess what? You can have all the talent and weapons in the world if your old line is a liability and your quarterback has turned into a crash test dummy like Matthew Stafford has been, then you have no chance, and that has been a real issue for L.A. Next-gen stats for the Arizona Cardinals, their O-line, allowing the fourth lowest pressure rate Mm. among all 32 teams, something that we have not talked a lot about. It's always been the offensive issues, running the ball, Kyler not running enough, the deep ball threat. But the offensive line is doing its job. It's the other six players on the field. And, yeah, we'll give some credit to the tight ends as well, you know, Benjamin and others as far as the running backs picking up some of those blitz. But, yeah, the offensive line always better not to be talked about because that means you're doing your job. And the only time we do talk about the O-line is when someone misses a block or allows a sack. But let's give them some love, especially what they've had to deal with through the first five games. And I'll leave you with this. Eno Benjamin, it's it's the never-ending search for what is going on to start games what is hampering this Cardinals offense why have they not scored a single point in the first quarter and I asked Eno for an answer I didn't expect to get an answer nobody seemingly has answers but Eno did give a little tidbit I thought was interesting he said you know what there's too often too many guys are in the wrong spot and they're clouding windows that was the terminology he used too many guys are too close to each other i.e. in the wrong spot in terms of routes spacing and it's proving to be a problem for Kyla Murray because he's not getting the spacing he needs. Like in basketball, you need spacing yep. on the entire court, and that's going to give you more separation. It's going to make your passes easier. You're seemingly going to get more room to operate. And if guys are messing that up, not to the degree of maybe the Raiders at the end of that game the other night on Monday night, where Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro ran into each other, but if you have wrong guys in the wrong spot or too close to each other and you're clouding windows – then yeah, I feel for the quarterback in in that case because it's difficult enough to get a passing game going downfield in the NFL without that happening. So if you're telling me that's an issue, does that get better with DeAndre Hopkins? Everybody knows the role a little bit better. I'm not sure, but it does tell me it's correctable. And it's not a matter of you don't have the talent, you don't have the skill, you don't have a good enough offense. It is correctable. So if you can't improve the attention to detail, seemingly there is a solution out there. And that's something that we've heard a lot this week, the walkthrough on Wednesday, practice Thursday and Friday. Attention to detail, more above the shoulder work this week than the physical work because five opening drives this season, three three and outs that cannot continue especially this week against a Seahawks defense and just a Seahawks team that again on paper it's not played on paper but on paper you are better than than the Seattle Seahawks and look the Seattle Seahawks have allowed in the last three games a total of 103 points I'm sorry they have scored 103 points in the last three games and they have lost two out of three even Pete Carroll said and I quote I would have thought that would be plenty of points to win all those games So we'll see. We'll see. Can the Cardinals be the next team to put a lot of points on the board and then get ready for your Thursday night home game against the Saints? Because if they can, if they struggle against this defense, this Seattle defense that once again is the 31st scoring defense in the NFL, allowing 31 points per game, basically the dead last total defense in the NFL, dead last in rushing defense, 26 in passing defense. If the Cardinals can't get in gear this game, then maybe there is legitimate reason for concern. We'll see. We'll see. The track record has always been good in Seattle. And, uh, you know, starts have never been an issue against the Seahawks just based on 
the hostility from the crowd and how the players react to it. They love it. Even Eno Benjamin and the Big Red Rage said, just love the fact they're booing you. And it just becomes, okay, I'll show you wrong. That is the mindset. And you hope that – and look, if they do move it back to 230 because of baseball agree, then don't tell the Cardinals. That's my other theory. <laughs> don't tell the Cardinals. Tell them it still starts at 1 o'clock. So, boom, by the time we hit the 230 mark, the Cardinals should be rolling and forget about the first quarter woes. Right now, 105 is the kickoff. If a game four is necessary between the Astros and Mariners, then, yeah, kickoff will be moved to 230. Again, keep it locked to azcardinals.com for all the latest as the Cardinals look to even their record at 3-3. Three and three. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Almohundro. For Paul Calvisi, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.